Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a church that desires to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in the Harrisburg region. Sermon B-Sides is designed to be a resource to help us deepen the conversation about this week's sermon and answer questions that may be helpful to accomplish our purpose. Well, hey, good morning. My name is John Robinson. I serve as one of the pastors here at Liberty Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And I'm Matt Luloyan, and welcome to the B-Side podcast. Uh, the second week, John, in uh, our series in the Book of Acts. It's, it is shaping up to be a wonderful series. I'm very excited. I am as well. It's, um, as any of you who were able to join us for our worship services yesterday, uh, it's a lot of, of substance, and particularly in these yes. early chapters, right. um, we are, you know, we're just going right for it, just diving in. Yeah, and I think, man, we got some great questions sent over yesterday. Uh, normally, we'll spend a little bit of time just talking, hanging out, uh, a little bit of banter back and forth. Um, B is for banter. And B, B is side. for banter. Uh-huh. Yeah. The B side, yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, I think I think we should probably jump into it, man. We got we got a lot a lot of ground yeah, to cover. Yeah, thank you guys for the questions you're sending in because those are incredibly helpful. Um, we expect mm-hmm. that there's going to be things that we each week won't be able to cover as in depth as we would otherwise like right. to. Um, so keep them coming. Yeah. Uh, we'll have as much as we can. We'll try to get to all of the questions that come in or, or merge a few similar ones mm-hmm. together uh, into into one question. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah I mean, you, you even mentioned yesterday, Matt, like there's a whole nother potential, at least a sermon, maybe even a series on on the issue of tongues. So let's sure. We Start got a there. question yesterday. Yeah. Um, tell us about tongues. Like what what is it, what is the difference between like tongues and languages? How does the Holy Spirit manifest himself in this uh, gift of tongues? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Really, when we read scripture, I think there are two related but distinct things when scripture mentions languages or tongues. So sometimes that word... Uh, refers to specifically different languages. And so when, right. when, when, like, for example, in Acts 2, as we mm-hmm. were in yesterday, when the apostles are speaking in tongues, they are speaking in actual languages, yeah. uh, human languages that the, are... In, the tongues of men. The tongues of men yeah. that are intelligible by right. people from these other nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jews had been scattered throughout the known world. It was called the Diaspora. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came back to Jerusalem for Pentecost, for the Feast of Weeks. That's why they mm-hmm. were there. But all of those nations that are listed there in Acts chapter 2, there were Jewish men from all of those places, and they understood the apostles in their own language. Mm-hmm. It says specifically in Acts 2, not, it wasn't, the gift wasn't hearing, that they could hear them, mm-hmm. uh, or like a translation gift. The, the gift right. was actually in the speaking. Uh, they were, the, the apostles, though they did not know those languages, were able to speak in those languages. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit in that moment was not for the hearer, right? So the Holy Spirit's presence was for the apostles. Correct. Those in the upper room. Yep. For them to be able to speak um, really in the, the languages of those who would, would be there and present. That's right. And the other place we see that word for tongues used that way um, is in the book of Revelation when we see the people from every tongue and tribe and nation gathered around God's throne. The word tongue there would be that word, human languages. 
Um, now, the other place that we see tongues, and a lot of these times these get these get conflated and confused. Mm-hmm. But the other place we see tongues in Scripture would be like what the Apostle Paul refers to in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 when he's talking about spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see, um, we see there something similar in that it is a spirit-empowered gift mm-hmm. as was what the apostles were doing in Acts 2. Right. So they are right. related. However... Um, what Paul seems to be referring to in Acts or in First Corinthians, I should say, twelve through fourteen, is more of a private prayer language. Mm-hmm. Um, what Paul actually refers to in Romans eight two is that the Spirit gives utterance to the, the deep things of our heart, even right. when we are not able to. Um, what Paul is very clear about in First Corinthians is that if that is to happen in a gathered worship setting, if that is to happen when the people of God are gathered together, it must also be accompanied by. The, the other spirit-empowered gift of interpretation mm-hmm. so that it is intelligible to the hearers. Yeah. And his whole discussion about that um, and, and the fact that it's a two-step process. So in Acts chapter 2, one-step mm-hmm. process. The apostles speak mm-hmm. and it's heard. One step. In, in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, two steps. There's got to be a, there's a speaking in another language in tongues. Mm-hmm. But the second step is that it's got to be interpreted by another yeah. Holy Spirit-empowered, gifted person. So, and, and what it accomplishes is the edification of the church. Yes. Right. So it, like it, it has to come, it has to result in, it's not just a language for the sake of language. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a speaking and a, an interpretation for the edification of the church. That's right. That's right. And that's where even what, what Joel prophesied so many years mm-hmm. before, that you're, it, was, it was a gift of prophecy, mm-hmm. uh, that, that God would pour out his spirit on all his sons and daughters, that right. they would prophesy. Right. And that is prophecy, especially we're talking here lowercase p. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about capital A and lowercase a apostles last week. Right, now we're talking right. about capital P, lowercase p, prophecy. Uh, we're not talking about something that's on par authoritatively uh, with Scripture. Uh, that would be capital P prophecy. Uh, we're talking about um, application of the Word of God, mm-hmm. of Scripture, to specific circumstances with wisdom, with insight, in a way that really meets a person where they're mm-hmm. at uh, as, a, as a gift given by the Holy Spirit yeah. to to people. Right. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, great question. Um, Maybe we'll save the the follow up question that this one kind of begs for when we get to that a little bit later sure. on in yeah. in Acts, which is, you know, what do we do with the gifts today? Um, are, right. are, are is the gift of tongues a gift that we would still mm-hmm. see practiced today, yeah. um, or did those gifts cease at the end of the what's called the apostolic era, of the first century? Right. So let's just maybe like tease that out there and. Uh, stay, leave it, leave it hanging. Tuned. Leave stay it hanging tuned. for for later in in the book of Acts. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's good. The uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a it's helpful for us to kind of get our minds around that. I, I would encourage you guys to go read, you know, First Corinthians twelve through fourteen. Um, maybe before your Bible studies meet this week, you know, um, being able to kind of give a little bit of context to that. If more questions come out of that, please feel free to shoot those over to us. Matt, we got another question. Yeah. If there's going to be um, uh, a, a casting of lots, what exactly is it? Oh man! Why yeah. do it, and why does it signify? What does it signify or connotate? Uh, and what would be the modern day equivalent of it? That's a. There's a lot of questions in there. So, like, what yeah. is casting lots? Let's start with that. What is? What are casting of lots? Since uh, we don't necessarily cast many lots these days. 
Uh, no, no. The Casting Crowns is like the music, the music yeah, group that we like all grew up listening to. That's if you were the in the only church, we cast. Yeah, I, I well, lures. We cast lures. lures. We cast lures. Yeah. yeah. So casting lots, it's a practice that we see through the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, we see it used by um, both the people of God, the Israelites, mm-hmm. and then um, Jonah is a really interesting example where you see lots being cast by the sailors. Mm-hmm. Who are not at least initially God fearers um, when they're they trying were, to they were after that they story. very quickly became <laughs> God fearers after yes. that story but before they were God fearers they cast lots to figure out okay which person on the boat is causing right, right. is the cause of this crazy right. crazy storm and turmoil so that mm-hmm. so it's interesting it, it's it's apparently a practice that was shared across yeah and we see, multiple we, and we see it at uh, at Christ's crucifixion we see the Roman Roman yes. guards casting lots for his. Uh, for his clothes. That's that's right. So um, it would be, I guess, in its broadest definition, um, a way of of making a decision, a, a way of mm-hmm. of um, and using some kind of object mm-hmm. to, and you'd roll it, you'd draw something out. There'd be mm-hmm. maybe a variety of ways of doing this. Um, scholars and historians aren't exactly sure mm-hmm. the forms that it all could take, but um, and it would it would essentially determine an outcome for you based on how you did yeah. that. So the way we then specifically see that playing out for the people of God, and if you've been reading through the Bible uh, in a year with us, uh, we've just been reading in Exodus and now into Leviticus about the priesthood and Aaron mm-hmm. and his sons, and the breastplate that they that they are that um, uh, that is made for them with all of the gems in it also mm-hmm. has a place in it for what's called the Urim and the Thummim. Oh yeah, the Urim and the Thummim, and again we don't know exactly what that mm-hmm. was. Uh, but it was it would have been not to be confused with Emma Thurman. It kind of does sound like yeah, Uma Thurman. Uh, Uma yeah, Thurman. It does Uma kind of sound like her. The Uman and the Thurman. It's yeah, one well, man. It's very I'm biblical. The, She's a very to, biblical name. Now I'm totally gonna mess this up and say her <laughs> name instead of the <laughs> the, the Uma Thurman <laughs> of the breastplate of the Levitical priests. And also go. I loved the Levitical priests in Kill Bill Volume Two. There you go. Well now now we're all over now we're like all all messed up in there together. That's yeah. what's happening. Um, the Urim and the Thummim, though, would have been um, something that the priesthood would use in their in in the people of God's mm-hmm. version of casting lots yeah. to make decisions to determine how God was leading in a particular mm-hmm. moment in a particular direction. So that's what that's casting lots. Um, it's like throwing dice. Throwing dice. Throwing dice. Yep. We, play, we played dice when we were you know back in like middle school and high school. There you go. Little uh, little side games yep. in the hallways of the of the high school. There you go. So something like that. That's right, man. Um, Pulling straws. It could be any of those things. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Pull the short straw. And and so the other parts of this question then why do it? What does it signify or connotate? Um, why do it really was was um, in its best form was to to seek guidance in a matter that was hard to mm-hmm. to determine, hard to discern. So like. In its roughest form, it seems like in like the Romans casting lot for Jesus's clothes, it was gambling. It was yeah. like, all right, let's let's roll the dice. It's like yeah. our game, you know, back in high school. Yeah, right, right. Um, in its best usage, it was, hey, here we're we're faced with an impossible choice. Mm-hmm. We don't know clearly what God is is telling us to do here. Mm-hmm. Both of these options would be permissible and not sinful, right. um, and we don't know which one to to take. Yeah. I mean, even in the Jonah situation, it could have been, you know, the short straw, you mm-hmm. know, like who, who is it? Like Jonah drew the short straw. It's going right. to be, it's going to be this guy. It's going to be. Yeah, true. Um, so that's, that's why people would do it. Um, 
what it signifies or connotates in its best form, then it would be a desire to do what God wills mm-hmm. and, an, and a really a, an asking of God to show up mm-hmm. and to lead and to guide in a moment of difficult mm-hmm. decision. So the modern day equivalent of that then would be, you know, we come to, to difficult decisions in our lives when we are trying to determine uh, a career path, when we're trying to determine where to live, when we're trying to determine mm-hmm. um, those of us who pursue marriage and having kids, like what, you know, if this mm-hmm. is the right time or the right person or, mm-hmm. you know, hard, hard decisions where we're saying we want to do the will of God. We don't know exactly what the will of God is. Mm-hmm. So those would be the situations that would be kind of equivalent for us, perhaps modern day. Um, there is not a equivalent modern day practice like the casting of lots. Mm-hmm. Um, some some people have attempted f- versions of that over the years, but that's where I think Acts one is so is, is incredible. I should say Acts one into Acts two. The last time we see lots being cast in all of Scripture mm-hmm. is for the re- for replacing Judas Iscariot at the end of Acts chapter one. They're mm-hmm. trying to replace Judas. They need a twelfth uh, apostle. They have criteria laid out. There's a group of 70, perhaps, that they're drawing down from. We don't really know what the full pool was that they had available to them that meet that that met that criteria. Mm-hmm. But the current 11 apostles put forward two, and then they say, okay, well, either of these two men could be mm-hmm. the 12th apostle. We don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And we really, it's Jesus called us. Jesus needs to be the one to call this apostle Mm-hmm. So it was their their heartfelt desire and intent to say, Jesus, you you pick mm-hmm. the next one, uh, and they cast lots. So that was the last time it was used, and why why that was the last time we think this is not um, directly <clears throat> written in scripture, but it's it's a I think a pretty clear connection is mm-hmm. that right after that, as we looked at yesterday, the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit indwells the, those who put their faith in Christ, right, those right. who repent of their sins and are baptized, and the um, from there. Mm-hmm. The Spirit is the one that leads us and guides us. Yeah. Um, not always giving us like a clear like yes, no, you know, option yeah. one, option two. Mm-hmm. Um, so in one sense, it's more complicated than casting lots. Right. In another sense, it, it's it's the presence of the Spirit of God with us continually, mm-hmm. and we don't just rely on God in these like critical decision moments of our lives, but yeah. we get the we get the very presence of God, the Spirit yeah. of God, with us. Always. Yeah, let's, I mean, Matt, let's ask the uh, the, the question that's lingering potentially for some people. Sure. Uh, should we cast lots? Should we, uh, as, as the apostles were leaning on not just probability and chance, but were really trusting in that moment yeah. that God was going to lead to the decision, should we, as Christians, use a lot-casting system to help make decisions with that intention in mind, I don't think we should. I think that um, I think that to do so in our day would be actually at making us at risk of putting God to the test. Mm. Where we trust uh, through Scripture, uh, the sufficiency of Scripture that we have in the revealed Word of God, all we really need for for life and for mm-hmm. faith and practice and for godliness. Um, and the fact that we have the Spirit of God with us uh, as the church that's been that, that Jesus and God the Father have poured out the Spirit upon the church, for us to then like add another practice to that, mm-hmm. um, I think would communicate our lack of faith and would communicate um, 
that we are we are actually putting God to the test, that we don't mm-hmm. trust his guidance and his leadership. So mm-hmm. I can't see any any prescription, any any reason that would be mm-hmm. right for us. I don't even know what that would exactly look like other than, you know, um, often like Gideon and the fleece kind of gets pulled into the same kind of discussion where it's oh, like, yeah. Yeah. you know, if, to, if today it snows an inch, I will know that tomorrow I will quit my job and do this other thing. You know, like that, that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Putting God to a test or like, you know, I'll put a, I'll put a fleece out or I'll pull a rug, put a rug out. And if there's no snow on the rug today, right after it snows seven inches, yeah, that's my answer. That's your answer. Yeah. And so I, I don't believe that we should try to find a method or if there is a method that's prescribed out there somewhere, I'm sure there is, mm-hmm. that we should use a method uh, to determine specific decisions of God's will. I think we, what we have is the revealed word of God, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit indwelling us, mm-hmm. the wisdom in a multitude of counselors. Yeah. Um, these are, the, these are the, the ordinary means of the incredible grace of God and the guidance right. of God in our lives. And we are the recipients of, of so much of the work that God has done in the past where, mm-hmm. you know, you think to Jonah's day, you think to the, the Levitical priesthood mm-hmm. in, the, in the wilderness and the exodus and even into the promised land. Um, they did not have the spirit the same way mm-hmm. that we do. Um, and they did not have the written down and revealed uh, and recorded word of God in scripture right. the way we do. So the, to them, there was, a, there was a, another kind of gift and accommodation in mm-hmm. the casting of lots to, to guide them yeah. in the absence of those other things. That's good. That's good, man. Um, yeah, so put your dice away, folks. <laughs> hey, we, <laughs> we like games. I mean, oh, you want yeah. to play games? That's great. Games I mean, are awesome, but not, not to determine the will of God. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> what about... Never mind. We'll, we won't talk about gambling yet. All right. Well, moving on to the next question, uh, Matt. You mentioned about how the Holy Spirit has finally come at Pentecost. Does that mean that the Holy Spirit was not revealed present in Old Testament times, or perhaps that the Holy Spirit was al- always was, but is now allowed to dwell inside uh, us post Pentecost? What's what's the function of the Holy Spirit post or pre Pentecost? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, great questions. Well, so we were introduced to the Spirit in Genesis 1. Yes. Um, the Spirit of God is hovering over mm-hmm. the face of the water. Um, mm-hmm. And so so pre-Pentecost, I mean pre-creation of the world, right. uh, you've got the Spirit's presence mm-hmm. involved in creation with God the Father and with God the Son. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus being the agent yeah. of creation, but... but um, God speaking mm-hmm. things into life. I, I don't know. It's, we don't. We're not given a lot of detail as to what specific involvement the Spirit had in creation. Mm-hmm. We are. See, we do see very clearly the Spirit was present there. Right. And that's. Um, so that's the initial role. Yeah. Um, well, and also, uh, and I'll just add, kind of as we're yeah. like we're we're there in Genesis. Um, you know, Trinitarian theology teaches that that all aspects of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, are co-equal and co-eternal. Mm-hmm. Meaning that the the Spirit has always existed. Yeah. Um, as far as like revelation of the Spirit, um, I think yeah, like you were saying, like we, we're going to see that in the beginning. We're going to see the the Spirit of God's even presence throughout the Old Testament. Yeah. So let's let's get into a little bit of that. Where do we yeah. see the Spirit? In the Old Testament, yeah, correct. You said co-eternal, co-relational. I say correct to correct. those things. Co- yeah, co- 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 <laughs> no, co- uh, co-eternal. Um, what did I say? Co- yeah, no, it's co- uh, co-eternal, co-eternal, co-existent, um, co-equal, co-equal. Co-equal. There you go. That was my that was my other co. Nice. 
Um, yeah, so it is different in the in the Old Testament times. We do see the Spirit indwelling people. Actually, back in the fall when we looked in the book of Judges, the immediate example that comes mm-hmm. to mind is Samson. Right. And three or four times over the course of Samson's life, or at least the life, his, the account of his life we have recorded there mm-hmm. in Judges, the Spirit rushes upon him. Um, mm-hmm. There's different terms in Judges, like the, the Spirit rushes upon, the Spirit enters into, yep. the Spirit. So um, the Spirit certainly shows up pre-Pentecost to empower mm-hmm. um, people. What, what the difference um, being that there's not a, a consistent indefinite, permanent kind of residence that the yeah. Spirit takes up in yeah. the people of God. An indwelling. An indwelling. And that's the word that this question used as well, which mm-hmm. is to dwell inside of us. So um, even after Pentecost, we do see uh, what sometimes is referred to as fresh fillings, that mm-hmm. there are there are times that the Spirit, in a sense, um, rushes on mm-hmm. a certain person, or even like the instance of speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a presence of the Spirit um, with people after Pentecost, but there'll be moments when the Spirit empowers some kind of miraculous gift or or work or language or something mm-hmm. like that after Pentecost. So there still is that same idea that the Spirit can be can be poured out in a in a powerful moment for a particular purpose. Mm-hmm. But the the idea of the Spirit being, as Paul puts it, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. The Spirit being one who seals us in mm-hmm. Christ, who applies the, the finished work of Jesus to us uh, by faith. As we have faith, the Spirit applies all of that work, makes it count on our behalf, mm-hmm. in other words. Um, that idea um, wasn't part of the Spirit's work and ministry right. pre-Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Yeah, it's, I think that's helpful in us understanding... Uh, the Spirit's work pre-Pentecost, post-Pentecost uh, is is more on the, like you said, the, the sealing of the promises of God inside of the, of the believer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think, man, we could spend a ton of time on, on the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives um, post-Pentecost, kind of what we're experiencing now, how, how, to really, um, how to really see that. Uh, when we were two summers ago, uh, Raphael, one yeah. of our our, uh, our X twenty nine sister churches up in Williamsport, came down. That's right. His his uh, his sermon on on the work of the Holy Spirit was was phenomenal. I, th- yeah. I would I would really encourage you guys to go back to uh, gosh two summers ago. Yeah, it would have been what maybe early August, late July of 2019. 2019. Um, and search for Raphael in our in our um, our sermons and uh, and listen to that. Yep. That would be a, a huge encouragement to yeah. you. No, good, good memory. That was that was a really that's um that's a greatest hits from I think uh, the Liberty the Liberty Sermon Archives. Yes, Raphael's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last question, Matt, and we'll wrap up with this. Yeah. The Reformed community doesn't pay as much attention to the Holy Spirit, but since his job is to point us to Jesus, whether by conforming us to his finished work or convicting us to confess him, isn't that kind of how it should be? And this is a great question. Um, you know that the we mentioned I mentioned this a little bit yesterday at the start of of the sermon. I think I think I would agree with this to a point mm-hmm. um, that there is a sense to which um, even even what's kind of normative for prayers because mm-hmm. um, that that's always one of the things that kind of comes up too. Like, do we should we pray to the Spirit? 
Mm. And I think I think the answer is that we can and should pray to all three persons of the triune God. Mm. We can pray to God the Father. We can pray to Jesus. We can pray to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Depending on the if you if you've grown up in some of the circles that that I have, um, particularly in the last couple decades of my life, it it does feel odd to pray to the Spirit. Now here's where there's there's a, a biblical basis for some of that. Um, even the Lord's Prayer, for example, where Jesus mm-hmm. teaches his disciples to pray. Kind of the normative pattern for prayer is that we pray to the Father mm-hmm. through the Son by the Spirit. in the name of the Son by the Spirit. Yeah. That's kind of the normative pattern for right. prayer. So the, the the fact that you'll probably hear many prayers, at least from you know Reformed Christian circles, praying to the Father in the name of the Son mm-hmm. and through the Holy Spirit makes sense from, from that kind of normative, and it is certainly prescriptive in that sense prayer right. model. Where it doesn't make sense is that I do think there also is kind of latent within the reform circles just a real um, hesitancy to engage with like who the spirit is as a, right. as as you mentioned earlier, a co-equal and co-eternal with God. Like that yeah. that this is one of the three persons of the triune God, just as much God mm-hmm. as the Father and the Son. And I think when it comes down to it, a lot of Reformed people really struggle to see that. Mm-hmm. They see God the Father, and they see the fear of God the Father, and they see Isaiah entering the throne room of the Father, and mm-hmm. they go, wow, that's amazing. And they see God the Son, they see the work of Christ, and they see Christ on the cross and exalted mm-hmm. to heaven, and you know, to whom every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the Spirit, and we're like... Um, I, I okay. <laughs> yes, I doctrinally I'm there. Like I, sure. I, I would, I agree. Check the, check the, the Trinity boxes. is the whole. Yeah, the Holy Spirit yeah. is part of the Trinity. Um, but man, and and we go right to like the, um, the abuses of spiritual gifts. Right. We go right to the, okay, tongues. Did the gifts cease? Did are the gifts continuing? Right. Um, we go to you know we go to all of these questions and all of the and, and I think that's where. So where I would agree, you know, isn't that how this person asked mm-hmm. um, that we don't pay much attention to the Holy Spirit? Isn't that kind of how it should be? Mm. Um, I've heard that argument made multiple times before, that the Holy Spirit's whole role is to point to Jesus. So I would say to a point, it makes sense that you're not going to, we're not going to pray to the Spirit or, or maybe even, um, you know, maybe even have as much conversation about the Spirit. But I think we've gone far away, many of us in reform circles, from esteeming the Spirit for who mm-hmm. the Spirit really is and for the value the Spirit really has. Absolutely. No, I, I think I think you're right on there, Matt. And what you said yesterday, and I'll try to try to quote this well, but like without uh, without the Spirit, without Pentecost, right, and the work of the Spirit, there is no church and there is no salvation. Yeah. Um, and really putting, you know, I, I think... Yeah, we were to 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 look at things even from the Father and the Son standpoint. Like, you know, what Jesus says is, "I'm going to send you a a better Helper. I'm mm-hmm. going to send you someone even greater." And the works that are going to be done, mm-hmm. not by necessarily like the the apostles and the Christians afterwards, but really the work of the Spirit. Yeah. Um. In in greater, at least we would say, volume. Mm-hmm. Right. Is is going to be greater than what Christ did in His earthly ministry, mm-hmm. um, and so I think there is there is a de-emphasis, and I think specifically in our camp, mm-hmm. like it comes from the fear of we don't 
We're not really sure exactly how this is working itself out. We see the abuses, so let's just not, right? You know, yeah. Let's not listen to it at all. Let's let's not emphasize it at all. Therefore, we can't err, mm-hmm. um, and not to err is better than to like trying to figure it out and then you know erring on on the side of uh, of like misuse or abuse of. Yeah, we can we can have very clear cut. Mm-hmm. theological discussions and an understanding about God the Father and God the Son. Mm-hmm. The Spirit's kind of a wild card here. It does feel like you it know? sometimes. So like yeah. we can't, you know, we don't want to pin it down. Yeah. We don't want to, we don't want to abuse it. We don't want to yeah. um, misuse the Spirit. So it's better just not talk about it at all. You know? Yeah. The, I think what I lament in that is um, like, yeah, um, There is no church, there is no salvation apart from the Spirit being poured out and the application of salvation that He brings. Mm -hmm. And there is no um, keeping and sealing. There is no, you know, deposit guaranteeing our inheritance without the Spirit. I think I just, I sometimes step back and I just get tired of like, you know, I'm tired of like Kenneth Copeland and Paula White being like that. The, the Holy Spirit That's belongs the to them, and they're and they're. It's like we we should be. This is, look, the Spirit's nowhere near them. We, I right. That's the these are the so, abuses of it. These yeah. are the cra- this is the craziness of like what people do with the Spirit because of the mystery around right, the Spirit's right, work. Right. But I think that's where there's just such a need for for Christians that love Scripture. Um, mm-hmm. To to bring up in not only our own personal estimation, but in our actual talking about the spirit right. and our valuing of the mm-hmm. spirit. I love the fact that you know, as a church that that follows a liturgical Christian calendar, mm-hmm. Pentecost is a day like we actually mark and celebrate every year. Yeah. We don't celebrate it near as big as we do Christmas and Good Friday and Easter, and I mm-hmm. and I I get why. But I more and more I'm like, let's bring the celebration of Pentecost mm-hmm. up because it is that much a part of our salvation yeah. as those other days are. Yeah. And so I, I want to see, I would love to see um, Christians that even aren't maybe part of those extreme, extreme, you know, abusive kind of, kind of uh, camps uh, where they take spiritual gifts and they, and they use them for, for things that are just unhelpful and completely unbiblical. I'm tired of the Holy Spirit just getting mm-hmm. to, to be like their thing yeah. when really there's so much beauty to who the spirit mm-hmm. is and what the spirit does. Yeah, absolutely. I think we should, you know, in celebrating, you know, holidays as Christians, you know, we've got the Christmas tree, we've got we got Resurrection Sunday. You know, sometimes we'll do special things for there. Like we should celebrate that. Yeah. Um, you know, light a fire in your house. Like make something, <laughs> make something happen. We've, uh, we we uh, there's I mean there's some great there's some great liturgy to it. Um, mm-hmm. um, last year we got to have different people who know different languages uh, mm-hmm. in our church family uh, record videos, yeah. uh, reading the same scripture passage in uh, those different languages. And then I mm-hmm. thought it was really uh, what you did, John. You put it together at the end. You mixed all of those videos into one, mm-hmm. which is probably not unlike what it sounded like in Acts two on Pentecost when all these disciples are speaking and then okay. it's being heard. That was the idea. Yeah. And, um, and, and it was just, I, I thought there was just, that was a powerful, uh, experiential moment where mm-hmm. you go, oh, that's probably what it was like on Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And it sounded inte- unintelligible when it was all mixed together as mm-hmm. one thing, but those were actual languages being heard and comprehended mm-hmm. by people that, that knew them. Yeah. Um, we've done that, you know, our linens are red to represent the fire, the tongues mm-hmm. as a fire that come. Um, but yeah, they do, to mark that day, to remember how essential Pentecost, that the spirits are coming on Pentecost, mm-hmm. uh, is to to God's 
redemptive work to, to mm-hmm. the salvation that he yeah. planned and Christ accomplished in the spirit yeah. applies. Let me read as we close out um, that quote that you gave from John Stott mm. um, about the Holy Spirit. Let this kind of resonate with you as you think about the Spirit's work in your life, uh, as you think about uh, your need for the Spirit to 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 advocate uh, in a way to to translate in, in, in groanings and, and mumblings uh, that are they're too deep for words as you pray. Um, the, the Spirit's work on your behalf. This is, this is what John Stott says. He says, There can be no life without the life giver, no understanding without the Spirit of truth, no fellowship without the unity of the Spirit, no Christ-likeness of character apart from his fruit, no effective witness without his power. A body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the spirit is dead. And yeah. we, we want to be a church that is alive. And so uh, we are absolutely 100% dependent on, as Christians, we would not be Christians without the work of the spirit. That's right. So praise God for the spirit. Yeah. Praise God for you guys as you are listening and engaging with this. Um, we hope you have a great week. Yeah, yeah. Excited to hear more about what you're talking about in Bible studies, what you're learning, and uh, look forward to being back with you next week. Yeah, see you.